Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Chris and Charles. Good morning, Ooh. also good afternoon and good evening, depending on what time you listen. We've covered our bases. Yeah. Also, I'm so sorry. And Harley. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Harley's here Ma'am. as well. Ma'am. I got a real like uh, Truman Show vibe from that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, okay. So, whoops. What I thought was a real funny joke I just thought of is actually a very old movie trope. Well, (laughs) I'm just going to go. So, guys, on yesterday's episode, we had some recommendations for Mm -hmm. you. But while we're recording this episode, I wanted to ask you guys, are there any other reading, viewing, or listening recommendations you guys have? If not, anything you're also looking forward to? I have another recommendation. Yes. Uh, as of this morning, I have torn through four and a half seasons of Younger. Oh, okay. The first four seasons are on Hulu uh, and season five is currently on on TV land. I just used the on-demand thingy on the TV. Remind me what that is? Younger. Yeah. Uh, it stars Sutton Foster okay. as a 40-year-old woman who gets divorced and she wants to go back into the job market but can't. She left publishing when she had her daughter who is now like 19 and no one will take her seriously. She accidentally gets mistaken for a 26-year-old <laughs> and then just goes with it and then gets a job in a publishing house as a quote-unquote millennial. Oh. My God! Yeah, the series. Well, I kind, this kind of sounds familiar. It's, I mean, it's a it was a cutesy, fun premise, and Sutton Foster absolutely can pull off being someone in her twenties. Mm-hmm. But the series also has uh, Hilary Duff and Debbie Mazer and Mir- is that how you pronounce her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Miriam Shaw, who are all just magnificent. Like the just the the cast of of women is is spectacular. That's awesome. I gotta get a Hulu subscription. And Mr. Mariska Hargitay. Oh yeah, Mariska Hargitay's husband, who is a a dish and b very fortunate to be married to Mariska Hargitay. Oh yeah, yeah, so lucky. Um, Very handsome. And every actress over forty has had at least a role in one episode of this series. Uh, Oh, that was always my fantasy to write a vehicle where I could just cast. Women over 40. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. It's a joy. It's I such love. a joy to watch. And there's just enough drama in it to keep me, to keep it dramatic, but not to like upset me. Cause if things get too dramatic, I leave. Yes. I'm like stressed enough. Exactly. I don't want I hate the genre of awkward dinner party where mm-hmm. it's just like people arguing. I'm like, I don't, Nope. Especially if it's like a family drama and like there's like intertension within the family. I'm like, I, no, no, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't want to watch you guys fight. I don't want to like, no. Mm-mm. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, I I kind of feel, I'm not sure if she has been on the show since it came out, so I kind of feel bad beating Chloe to the punch. But the new Robin song, oh, missing you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it at length. I think you're the third person to recommend it okay. on the show, <laughs> which is totally fine uh, because Robin's amazing. Did you watch? Did I send you that video? Yes. Did you cry? You said, uh, did you cry? I did not cry. Ugh, no, I cried. Um, Robin put out this like fan video. I don't know if Robin put it out or these fans put it out. Oh, no, it's on her YouTube. Okay, so it is Robin. So there is a Brooklyn dance party um, that is just Robin music, and it's like this tradition that's been going on a while. So they made a fan video for her, and they sent it to her. They got it to her, where it was just them talking about how much her music means to them, and it's a lot of, like, LGBTQ people who have, like, come out of the closet and, like, 
like her music helped them get through really tumultuous times and it really like moved Robin. So she came to one of the shows <gasps> and performed no. for them and it's bananas. Oh like, my the God. energy is insane. The, the depth of, of her, what she means to people really so it, you know who it was? It was the drag queen detox who clarified things for me. Not to me personally. I just read a Twitter account because for me, I, I like her, but I'm like, yeah, she's, like she's fine. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really meant anything on a on a deeper level. And detox broke down this exactly as you described what it what her music does for people, the mm-hmm. way it speaks to them, the way it lets them process things or feel yeah. things. And I'm just like, Bah Yeah, and like for whatever reason I know a lot of people and maybe it's because it's music we listen to in our like twenties into thirties, but mm-hmm. a lot of like transitional trauma you know like whether it's relationships or like yeah coming out to your parents or community or whatever like her music was like the soundtrack sure yeah and also like city kids like city kids really like robin and i think it's because a lot of her songs are about like being lonely or being like you know people not seeing you and stuff like that um but yeah i uh when i saw her in i went uh when she was touring her last album um i saw her in philly and it was one of the most energetic concerts mm. I've ever been to. Yeah. Without like, I mean, she didn't have like dancers and choreography. Well, Maybe she's very light physical too. But like for two hours, that woman, while singing completely 100% live, yeah. did not stop moving. Mm. Yeah. And, and it was like magical to watch. She does her back roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and look, sometimes you want to listen to sad music and you don't want to listen to Sarah McLaughlin or Tori Amos. Right. And the only people servicing the up-tempo sad music market are Robin and then on a much lower tier like Sophie Ellis-Bexter and Beth Ditto. That's it. That's yeah. all you can That's get. That's a really good point. Like, I want to be sad but I want to dance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm with her... She also releases acoustic or piano versions of like her big hits too. And if when those nope. come out, Mm-mm. those like the <laughs> I will not what, listen to those. No, <laughs> no. Well, like, the, yes, the, the the acoustic version of Dancing on My Own is just like it will ruin you. I flat oh, refuse. Yeah, I can't <laughs> imagine. because yeah. the dance one ruins me. Right. It's so sad, but then like the beat keeps it lively. Yeah. Mm. So, Robin, missing you. Yeah. Great recommendation. This is on repeat on my phone. Um, any other recce recs? Um, I'm trying to think of anything. What else am I listening to? I'm, I haven't been, like, really, between moving and everything, I've been off of the music. I mean, I was listening to Steps on the way here, but I wouldn't exactly recommend it. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it was just there on Spotify. Uh Okay. Oh, wait, yep. I have a recommendation, <gasps> specifically a song. Speaking of Spotify, you reminded me of um, Spotify does this really cool slash creepy thing where like based on what you've listened to, they start to predict other stuff that you oh, would yeah. like. And sometimes they're real right. Uh, Future Friends I didn't um, heard of it. by Superfruit. Oh, I did like Superfruit. Yeah. Uh, Future Friends specifically, I've been listening to like... On repeat. Is that the name of their album? Uh, or is that the name of a song? Same. It is... Beep, beep, beep. The band is the second name, correct? Is Superfruit the two people from... Yes. Right. Good. Excellent. Yeah, they're oh. called Superfruit, and the track is Future Friends. But I think that's also the name of the album. I, oh, yeah, it is. Part one. Um, the I like from that... I have a song on my phone called Imaginary Parties. Mm-hmm. That song is awesome. Ooh. Uh, I do like Superfruit a lot. Oh, also... Um, continuing with my Mean Girls obsession, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you can 
now go on to the website and enter to win free tickets uh, to their uh, performance on Wednesday, October 3rd, which is the unofficial Mean Girls Day. Um, I should do that. I still haven't seen it. Yes, you should. Mm, uh, I entered from both of my email accounts and I will hopefully win. Great. Uh, great, great, great. Um, I'm writing it down. Never stop talking about it. <laughs> no, I want to see it. I'm like, I know someone in it. I should go see it. I'm so bad at seeing live shows. Well, I, also I'm like money. It's because mm. it's expensive. That's yeah. why I don't get to. Right, yeah. right. But free tickets. Free tickets. Oh, yeah. I've entered that one as yeah. well. I'm Guys, ready. whenever you hear about free tickets, tell me. Because <laughs> that's where my price range is right now. Free. Um, have you have either of you seen... I know you guys see horror movies a lot. But mm-hmm. have you seen any movies you want to recommend? Uh, we were supposed to watch one today. But then... The Realize it doesn't come out until next week. So Which one was it? Uh, Down a Dark Hall. Oh, what's, what's that? I... You know what? I have no bloody idea. This trailer came out of nowhere yeah. at, uh, the last time I went to the movies. And I was like, what's this? Uma Thurman's in this. I'm interested. What? Oh, it's a horror movie? Wait, what? what? It's yeah. Uma Thurman and... Anna Sophia Robb. Is yeah. that the right order of those names? They're all first names. Too many wow, first names in a row. too many, yeah. yeah. Um, um, she was young Carrie Bradshaw in The Carrie Diaries. Right. Okay. It feels like a mixture between Hogwarts... And the X-Men, Ooh. but also a horror movie. Interesting. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. But it doesn't come out for two weeks. Can I tell you what trailer I saw that I was not impressed? Uh, the Nun, that one. It didn't get you the very no. end. No. We watched oh, it in theaters and it really got him. Out of no. Me. You know who like phrased it so funny? Um, Karen from My Favorite Murder. Hold <laughs> on. I got to find her fucking tweet. Cinema 12 at the Regal on 42nd Street has a my scalp shaped dome in its ceiling from how high I jumped out of my chair at that bit. Can I tell yeah. you, so it might have been ruined for me a little bit because, oh wait, so Karen uh, Kilgariff, who's one of the hosts of My Favorite Murder, goes, listen, you deserve to know the truth. At the end of the trailer for The Nun, this nun in all black comes flying out of a, a hidden side door in that scary hallway and pushes the main nun pretty hard. That's how I felt. <laughs> and like people built it up so much where they're like, oh my God, you have to watch this trailer oh, yeah. and you have to watch it till the end because the ending, <gasps> the oh, ending's yeah. the scariest people thing you're like, ever going to see. And then I watch it and I'm like, she just shoved that bitch a little bit. <laughs> like what just happened? Yeah. Well, see, no, I didn't get that. I think that's probably worked better for me. Because okay. if this is the thing, they don't spoil things even inadvertently. Right. Like don't tell people, do watch this trailer. It's going to be so scary because yeah. now you get up for it. Someone... When last week Leslie Jones was watching uh, Infinity War oh, yeah. on Twitter and then she stopped. She said, like, I can't finish it, guys. I'm too tired. I've got to go to bed. And then she's this barrage of replies basically spoiled. Not saying what happened, but explaining that something terrible happened sure. or something wonderful happened. I'm now doing it. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, j- don't just it, stop yeah, doing it. I feel like, yeah, if you set up people's expectations that high because Jezebel had like a piece on the trailer and they were like oh my god this is the scariest trailer you're ever gonna see oh my god you have to watch it until the end the end is the scariest part and uh, I was like oh shit okay this is gonna be really scary then I watched it and I was like well they, they said that about that whole series they said that The Conjuring was so scary and that Annabelle was so scary that The Conjuring 2 was scarier than Conjuring <laughs> 1 and I was right. like these are 
fine horror movies, but they're not the scariest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like watching a movie with someone who constant, constantly taps you on the shoulder and go, this bit's coming up is really good. Like, stop doing that. Which yeah, I do a I lot. I do that. I'm so guilty of that. Yeah. I, something, uh, bringing it back around, which is something when I went to see Mean Girls with Chris, was I did the entire time. I was yeah. like, the song's coming up. The song's coming up. The song's coming up. <laughs> to, to his credit, he doesn't say anything, but he does squeeze your leg or nudge you or elbow you when it something is, good is coming. It's sweet when you get so excited <laughs> you can't contain it. And like, you're excited because you want the person you care about to like enjoy it as yeah. much as you do yeah it's like when you're watching one of your favorite tv shows with them for the first time and you're just like i do that i oh my god people i like and i i'm better now but i will i like i'll clock you in like my peripheral like does he like, like it if you're not and laughing you at the right asleep, parts oh done 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 <laughs> if you fall asleep ah no i'm burying a piece of my soul to you <laughs> you fell asleep i hate you um so Oh my God, Chloe texted me the other day and I guess she saw Hereditary again. <gasps> and she goes, P.S. Hereditary is less scary if you're high. And I'm like, you're a liar. That sounds like a lie. That you're does a sound liar. like a lie. And she was like, no, it like it was less scary. I, I was like, was it less scary because you knew all the like yeah. the scary parts? Probably. Um, but I was like, no way is that film less scary if you're stoned. Mm-mm. I would be terrified the whole time. Um, there's a, because A24 put that out, right? It's one of the production companies. Yes. I want to see, they have a new one out. Um, not a scary movie, but, uh, it's called eighth grade. I think it's by eighth um, grade is the Bo Burnham, Bo, like yeah, yeah, coming yeah. of age. Yeah. 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 They, they, it's also put out by A24, the oh, production okay. company, but that's, that's a movie that's a, I guess I can't recommend it cause I haven't seen it, but it's something that I want to see. Everybody's recommending it. Yeah. I really need to go see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody has said it's wonderful. <laughs> Meredith was like, I don't think I can watch it cause I think it's going to be like a little too real mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> cause listen, if eighth grade was hard for you, why would you want to relive that? <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm very glad to see kids cast as kids. Yes. Yes. Cause it's super weird. Like I said this on, I think yesterday's episode or maybe a couple episodes ago, the CW has, fucked with our heads <laughs> and we think 30 year olds are high schoolers yep. now mm. which is kind of fucked up yeah you know i mean that's uh when i was watching pretty little liars they did the time jump because the actresses the characters hadn't aged in like three seasons and the actresses were like we're in our mid to late 20s now we need to play some characters right. closer yeah. to our age so they're like great, great great we'll do a time jump they're all in their 20s now yeah. there's there's somebody on riverdale <laughs> I think she's the the pussycats, like the head. Pussycat. Oh yeah, yeah, she's like forty. Yeah, yeah, she was on younger in that episode where I was like, her. she was too. Yeah, she's like forty. What? Yeah. It's like they did when when uh, Charisma Carpenter jumped from Buffy to Angel. They didn't men- announce a time jump, but there was this uh, invisible time jump because she had literally just graduated high school in Buffy, moved to LA, and suddenly she's like mid to late twenties. Yeah, they yeah. like just. Pretend. Well, right. They, um, Bianca Lawson has also been playing a teenager for the last 20 years. It's also really creepy because it's like... Totally still pull it off. Older <laughs> actresses can't get work, but you can only get work as an actress if you look 12. Yep. You know, like there's yeah. no in between. It's like, God forbid you actually look like you're 40, you're not going to get work. The only reason this 40-year-old actress gets work is because she can pass as like a 17-year-old. Yeah. Um, very fucked up. That's just my political commentary on it. Strong agree. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, any other recommendations or things we're looking forward to? Mm. Hmm. Looking okay. forward to? <laughs> that's, no. That's like a happy thing that oh, might happen one day? Can't okay. follow. Cool. No, don't relate. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we have them. Sometimes <laughs> we don't. It's fine. 
Uh, guys, it's that time of the episode. I'm so sorry. Let's all hold hands and cry. We'll get through it together. Here is your bad news. No. All right. Are we all nestled in for bad news? I'm comfy. Harling, you comfy? She's dead asleep. She's asleep, which is a good way to deal with bad news. Mm -hmm. I've been there. Just sleep through it. So um, Trump is really stirring shit up with Iran. Um, So the Iran sanctions that had been rolled back during the Obama administration, during the whole Iran nuclear talks, with John Kerry. Remember when a whole bunch of very smart people got together and worked that out and it was a fucking miracle? Yeah, the Trump administration's burning all of that. It's like, nah. Um, but one of the agreements they had come up with was Iran was like, hey, we're meeting all of your guidelines, um, very strict guidelines when it comes to our nuclear program. Can you lift these fucking sanctions? And the US was like, yes, we will do that. Now uh, Trump is uh, rolling back um, or placing those sanctions back into effect. And not only that, he's warning other countries against doing business with Iran. And this is pissing off a lot of our allies because a lot of our allies need to do business with Iran. Mm -hmm. It um, it creates a lot of jobs. It it brings a lot of money into their economy. And they're like, hey, you're fucking this up for us. So not only are we pissing off Iran, we're also pissing off our allies with this bullshit. Sounds safe. And super safe too, right? Like you want to piss off people who potentially have... Um, nuclear capabilities, although I don't want to do that because that sounds very fear-mongering. Like, Iran would be utterly suicidal to do anything. Um, and they know that. That's that's another thing. They know if they ever t- attacked Israel, they would be vaporized in a second. Yeah. So they don't want to do that. I mean, we are best friends with North Korea now, so we could be like best friends with Iran as well. I'm sure that Trump could just go in there and be like, hey, 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 we're <laughs> friends. Well, the amazing thing about... Uh, Trump is he's so dumb he acts how dumb is he (laughs) he he accidentally does stuff that pisses off the hardline right wingers every once in a while Mm -hmm. so like for example because he Trump's a narcissist so whenever he's in a room he's trying to read the room Mm -hmm. and he's like what do the people want because I want I need the people to love me because I I am just a black hole of emotions and the only time I feel good is if people are cheering for me. So if he's in a room and people are like, would you ever sit down with the leader of Iran? And he, you know, like reads the room and he's like, they want me to say yes. He goes, yeah. And he said he would sit down the leader of Iran with no, um, like no, uh, I'm forgetting the word, but like no, any sort of like deal or any kind of guidelines basically. Which a U.S. president does not do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm, I actually think, weirdly, Trump is the more progressive position on that, where he's like, I will just meet with you as like a person-to-person and talk to you yeah. without all of these like guidelines in place. But no one told him to say that. So there was like immediately a bunch of people had to scramble to be like, no, no, that's not what he meant. That's not what he meant. That's <laughs> not what he meant. Like, we want to go in with the upper hand here, you know? That's my favorite. How many people's jobs... Jobs, yeah. How many people's jobs is it to spend their entire days saying that's not what he meant? That's not what he meant. Like it feels like a good dozen people are just eight to six 
seven like, days a week saying that's not what he meant. That's not what he meant. Sarah Sanders has to be the most unhappy person on the planet, right? Just from, just and from like uh, looking at her, I've never seen her smile once. So I'm assuming that, that she I mean, is that's just a full. very shitty job. But yes. also like, can you imagine every Re- day is just a shit show? Yeah, I mean, right. regardless of administration, that's a horrible job to yeah. have. It is a soul sucking, like not, not like this, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders and What's that little piss ant from before her? Sean Spicer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are doing it to incredible levels of just blatantly lying, which isn't to say that like previous administrations, like someone came out and lied for Obama. Mm. Someone came oh, out and lied for Clinton. That's what being press secretary is. Yes. Yeah. But this is like, this has to be just like so horribly ruining like your mental psyche of having to go out and blatantly lie every day and have people just hate you. If yeah. I honestly believe if, if and I, I'm, I think Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders are both horrible people. But even if they weren't horrible people, they will be becoming more horrible just from doing this job. I agree. Mm -hmm. Also, they are still largely protected from the consequences of their actions. And it was, that was illustrated by when Sarah Sanders um, wasn't served at that restaurant and she had to leave Mm -hmm. and she acted like she was being like strapped up to a cross. Right. (laughs) Like, that was a minor inconvenience yep. for serving a fascist regime. And yet she's still so on a day-to-day basis protected yeah. from those consequences that she was like, what? <laughs> What's happening? You won't serve me my meal? Like, I'm being persecuted. And it's like, no, bitch. This is like bare minimum consequences. I'm surprised that we haven't heard of more places doing that. But she probably has someone like scout out the place for her now. I think they got wise to it because that happened. And then Stephen Miller, With the, the, sushi. the sushi guy, yeah. like uh, chased him out and gave him double middle fingers. Yeah. And then Stephen Miller threw out $80 worth of sushi because he was so pissed. But the, the thing is, I like that the bartender waited until like the food was paid for. And, and then was like, ran out <laughs> after him. And was like, eh. I love it. I love everything about that story. Oop. Sorry, guys, we had to pause because uh, I got a package delivered. No big deal. <laughs> uh, we have a like TV doorbell. Oh, yeah. Like if you were watching like the Dick Van Dyke show or something and somebody rang the doorbell, that's what it sounds like. So it sounded like we had like a surprise guest that was about to be on the <laughs> show. Should have just brought in the UPS guy. I like. did expect one of you to go, oh, someone's at the door. <laughs> someone's at the door. But dinner's not even ready yet. What? And then I fall over an ottoman <laughs> and sprang my other ankle. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're in bad news. Everybody get fucking somber. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. So Trump's Muslim ban is now forcing some Americans to move to war-torn countries to reunite with their families because obviously those family members can no longer come here. So in a horrible decision they are deciding some families to move back to these war-torn countries where they could very likely die mm-hmm. um, just because they want their families to be together. Reunited, yeah. Which is horrifying. <sighs> There's actually, um, I know a journalist, um, Anna Likas Miller, who has not been living in the United States because her, um, her partner can't move here. So like they were living in Syria together, but like this is affecting so many people where it's like, yeah, you, you want your family to be get, be together to the point where you're willing to sacrifice maybe your life and the life of your family to, um, to have that reunion. And by the way, I'm sure a lot of these Trump supporters that support this would claim to be pro-life. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And pro-family. Yeah. 
Focus on the family, bitch. This is such a minor semantic point considering what horrible news this is. Sure. But notice how the second uh, this band got upheld by one of the courts at some point Mm -hmm. recently, uh, there is now no more frantic denying that it's A, a Muslim ban or B, a ban at all. Right. And I'm just like happy to call it what it is. Right, right. Because fuck you guys, we got it through the courts. Like, Sure, yeah. They don't have to win that like public perception war anymore. It's just like... Yeah, and that is one of the the steps of a fascist regime, right? Like, they deny the thing is the thing, and then the thing is the law, and they're like, yeah, it is. Yeah, It doesn't fucking matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Perfect. We don't care if you, like, feel good about it. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like, this administration... Yeah, that's true. They have really stopped... That PR campaign, it's not a Muslim ban. It's it's about national security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure, guys. I, um, I'd like to see someone confront Sarah Huckabee Sanders and be, see if she would say, yes, it's a Muslim ban, or if she would just be like, that's not a real question, next. <laughs> yeah, she I, does like to pivot. I think she would. Uh, she, I, I wouldn't even, it's not even good pivoting, like. Like you can argue that Kellyanne Conway is an excellent pivoter, right? Because she can just change the subject into literally anything. Yeah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is like, no, next. She just shuts it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see that clip the other day? I think I had it for uh, one of the good news stories, but the wor- the reporters working together to get the question answered. Yes. Awesome. I don't moment. think I missed that. So journalism is a very competitive field, and usually, if you are a like um, a, a, a White House uh, press room reporter, you're just like, I gotta get my three questions answered. I mm-hmm. just gotta. So if Sarah Huckabee Sanders does that shit, where she's like, I'm not answering you, Amanda. I'm going to Bob. Bob will just be like, Fuck Amanda. I gotta get my questions answered. Yeah. But what these reporters kept doing was throwing back to each other. So she's like, I'm not answering your question, Amanda. Bob. And Bob would be like, I would like to defer my time to Amanda to have her question answered. <laughs> and then so Sarah would go, no, and move on to somebody else. And that reporter was like going back to Amanda's question. Um, and they worked together Oh wow! to basically cover news better. And it was like, yeah, guys, that's that's the shit you need to do during need, the yeah, fascist yeah. regime. Yes. You, you have to put like your ego aside and be like, we have to band together because they're trying to stonewall us. They are stonewalling yeah. us. Yeah, your scoop has to take a back seat. Yeah. Did, 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 did she ever actually answer? Or did she just like, nah, bye guys, I'm leaving? I think eventually they got like a patchwork answer out of her. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure. But even if they didn't, it was just like a, a great moment of solidarity in a profession that is not known for expressing solidarity mm-hmm. with each other. It's just so interesting how like the press secretary of all people could be like, no, I'm not going to answer the the one question well, you came I mean, here to the, the White House press conference is largely like kabuki theater anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it's a tradition. Somebody speculated a while ago where they were like, "Is the Trump administration going to be the first administration to get rid of the press White House press conference?" They almost did under Spicer, didn't they? They almost did. They, were they, put they it thought about it. Um, they were going to not have it filmed or something. Yes, something yeah. like that. But I'm like, a that would not surprise me, and b like. Is that the place where intrepid journalism happens? No. No. Because, like, basically you have someone charged with lying to the press. Mm -hmm. And they do. And the press, like, tries to get the truth out of them. If you have a good press secretary, they, like, manage to get out of there without telling them anything. Um, (laughs) So that's not where, like, good reporting happens. Like, maybe you'll get a good sound bite. Like, maybe they'll be a press secretary who has a meltdown. Like, Sean Spicer was great for that. Like, maybe he'll just scream at the press, and they love that because they're, like, ratings. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, you're not going to get, like, valuable information probably. No. Um, 
So I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Did you hear about Sarah Jong uh, joining the New York Times? No. Okay. Yes, a little. I only the uh, troll campaign against to, her. To oh get yes, her. Yeah. which has now a thing that the like deep right are now doing to everyone they can find on yes. Twitter. So this started with like, okay, so let me just explain the Sarah Jong angle. So Sarah Jong is a brilliant tech journalist. Uh, she's one of the best tech journalists. And um, this week, the New York Times announced that she is joining their editorial board. And the far right on Twitter lost their fucking minds because Sarah is a woman. Uh, she is uh, an Asian woman. And she has made fun of um, like men's rights activists <laughs> and, and white people in general in the past. And she's always done so like in response to white people being extremely racist. Mm -hmm. She'll like adopt the same voice and aim it back at white people mm -hmm. um, for comedic purposes and right. she's very funny if you don't follow her on twitter you should she's um she's very funny so of course she gets this position and the far right starts cherry picking her tweets to portray her as a racist which is fucking ridiculous like i know sarah like lots of white people know sarah and are friends with her she's not a racist like she did that stuff to point out the racism of white people mm -hmm. um and the misogyny of of men so the New York Times puts out this like very lukewarm defense of her where basically I was glad to see them say like we're not firing her obviously but then they were like basically her tweets were inexcusable and she understands that. And it was like, cool, you're defending racists because yeah. that's the only reason Sarah said that shit in the first place. And like, whatever, that's not me throwing shade at Sarah. Like, I'm really glad she has that job and like, it's not her fault. I'm pissed at the New York Times editorial board that they in any way gave cover to racists where it's like, you know what she was trying to do with those tweets, yeah. you know? Like, she's not a racist person. Um, but so... I wanted to use this to spin off into a larger conversation about what you pointed out, Chris, which is the far right now using people, like weaponizing people's tweets against them yep. to go after people they don't like. And this pretty much started with James Gunn. I think it had happened to other people before him, but it seemed like mm -hmm. they've now really picked up on this as a strategy. Because James Gunn was a big ticket win. Right. So James Gunn was the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He... Uh, um, a lot of people took issue with him because how did this fucking start? Did he go after Mark Duplass? Is that what happened? Sure. Okay, he was being interviewed and I think Mark Duplass had said something flattering about a far-right person, maybe Ben Jacobs, who they happen to have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with. Yes, it was Mark Duplass. I think that's right. Uh, praising Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and because they had had like a nice one-on-one -on -one interaction at some part, some point, Ben Shapiro is a monstrous little fuckwad. And people were like, they went after Mark Duplass because they were like, why are you defending this guy who says like horribly sexist, racist things? Yeah. 
And Mark Duplass was like, well, you just got to listen to both sides, you know? <laughs> um, very dumb. So then James Gunn was asked about this in an interview, and he criticized uh, Mark Duplass. And because this was a whole conversation about, like, bad tweets, the far white far right was like, aha, James Gunn, I bet if we go into your archives, we'll find some bad tweets. And James Gunn, huge surprise, because he's a white man, used to be a fucking asshole when he was a kid, uh, not a kid, but like a young man, and he thought making edgy jokes was funny. So they found a bunch of jokes about like pedophilia and stuff like that, yep. where like the joke is like kid fucking, ha yeah. ha ha. Um, like not funny tweets but like James Gunn admitted he's like yeah when I was a younger man I thought being edgy was funny and like I don't stand by those tweets but I'm not that person anymore Disney fucking fired James Gunn which was huge like that was he made them so much money Mm -hmm. and the entire cast and the entire crew were like what the fuck and put out a statement of support to James Gunn where they were like we stand by him blah 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 I think a lot of people didn't rush to James Gunn's defense because It feels weird in progressive circles right now to launch a campaign defending a wealthy, white, cis male director. Right. But having said that, what happened to James Gunn was really fucked up and really scary because of Chris's point before, which is the far right was like, oh, this strategy works. Yeah. If we go into people's old tweets and we like cherry pick them and create a narrative, because the reason Disney fired James Gunn was they are the family brand. Yeah. So they know James Gunn is not pro pedophilia, that he's not a pedophile, but they are like, we can't defend that shit. Right. Because we're a family brand. So you don't fit the family anymore. You know? right. I'm now watching Marvel movies and someone, I'm full Captain America because when someone swears, I'm like, this is a Disney movie. <laughs> Watch yeah. your language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, um, David Batista just came out oh, yeah. like within the last day or so. And, and he said, had a good he had a good line where he was like, what was the line he said? Well, it's he said that even if James Gunn isn't going to direct it, he said that they must use his script because if they're not going to use his script, they said that they can, he can... Where I'm at right now, if Marvel doesn't use th- that script, then I'm going to ask them to release me from my contract, cut me out, or recast me. I'm doing, I'm, I'd be doing James a disservice if I didn't. And then he kind of threw a little bit of shade at Chris Pratt. Okay. And he said, nobody's defending his tweets, but this was a smear campaign on a good man. I spoke to Chris Pratt the day after it happened, and he's a bit religious, so he wanted time to pray and figure it out. <laughs> but I was more like, fuck this. This is bullshit. James is one of the, mo- one of the kindest, most decent people I've met. Um, and then he said that uh, he will push Disney to rehire Gunn, but he hopes it opens people's eyes to James's character. I thought he had a quote. I might have just imagined this. No one, no one listen to me if this isn't true. I thought he said something about they've weaponized, Nazis have weaponized Twitter. Like, I think he like put that fine of a oh, point I'm on. Oh, I'm sure he did. Where he was like, I know what this is. Um, but... Yeah. Even if you didn't say that, that's exactly what's happened. And because the this tactic now of digging up old tweets, uh, I don't know who is like masterminding this, but they are going after everybody. I have a friend who, not to diminish his excellent work, but he's a he works for BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. Like he's not exactly making Disney films sure, sure, or yeah. working with children. Uh, there is currently a campaign against him. They've dug up his old tweets Fuck, where he's. This? Uh, Lewis Peitzman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Yeah, they uh, have. I only saw one because I know he, Lewis. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to promote I this. Well, because 
Lewis said, I'm not even engaging with this. This is beneath yeah. me, which I think is brave. And now I'm doing it for him. Sorry, Lewis. Uh, that's right. I won't explicitly promote it. One of the tweets I saw was literally t- like atting BuzzFeed saying, do you promote racism at your company? And it's a tweet of his from 2014, so four years ago, that says, I hate white people. Or in response to something, white people are rubbish. Yeah. Which, for a start, they are. We are. Right. Uh, we also like need to talk about how, because that, that's the main thing that's being used against people. That's what was being used against Sarah Jong, where she was like making fun of white people. You, as a, if you are a, ra- a minority, like you cannot be racist towards oh white people. Oh God. I can't believe we have to have <laughs> this every time we have to go back to the very beginning and say racism is a, about power structure right. and you cannot be racist against the majority. You can be bigoted. Yeah, yeah sure. you can be prejudiced, but, bigoted. But without institutional racism behind your bigotry, your little bigotry has no actual right. power behind it. You're just, right. you're just being a dick. You're just being a dick, right. Institutional racism is like, we have codified into our law that you will serve a longer prison sentence because you happen to be black. Right. Um, so like if you get picked up for crack and it's not cocaine, you do a longer prison sentence because chances are if you're doing crack, you're black. Mm-hmm. That's codified racism into our law. Three strikes laws. Codified racism. Um, stop and frisk. 90% of the people you're stopping are young men of color. Codified racism. Mm-hmm. That is racism. You have the power of the state behind you. Yeah. Um, Sarah Jong saying, I don't like white people on Twitter. It's like, that had no effect on anyone. Like, that is not a powerful thing. That's her, like, using humor to vent for a second. And that's another thing. It's, when you say, like, white people suck, that's shorthand for, like, white privilege, the power of the state. And when I say I hate men, I'm talking about, like, misogyny Mm -hmm. and toxic masculinity. People who are intelligent understand that that is shorthand for you're talking about like structural bigotry, you know? Right. Um, and I also believe they know that, but they see a moment where they could possibly take down someone they don't like and they're like, well, you guys all think racism's bad, right? So this is racism. And it's like, you know, it's not actually mm. racism. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really worrying uh, trend. If you're worried about it in your own life, um, you can mass delete your tweets. Chris did it. I did. I did it. I, and I don't have I don't have edgy pedophilia jokes in my past. I bet I have dumb tweets. But I have dumb tweets, I and I, I just thought, you know what? I'm just gonna. I have deleted everything from 2014 backwards. I'm now doing anything older than two weeks. I delete. Oh, that's. Oh, wow. I'm thinking of making it more uh, yeah. recent as well. I also just like I was sitting and I was just briefly horrified. I have been on Twitter since 2008, so a decade. Yeah. And I was just briefly horrified by. I'm like, oh my god, I have like hundreds of thousands of tweets of mine just sitting out there. Yeah. And like, I don't know how many I still stand behind and gross. I want to get rid of those. Oh yeah. I I was 28 when I joined Twitter. I know I was a fucking idiot when I was 28 and 29 and 30, 31. And last week also an idiot. So yeah. So frequently, probably tomorrow I will be (laughs) at some point. Yeah. I, so I support people. I know some people are like anti that because they're like transparency and I'm like, I'm doing the jerk off motion. Nobody can see me. Um, yeah, do what's best for you. If you don't want your old tweets out there, mass delete. Delete. I mean, does, I mean, even if you delete them, does that end up in like, like I the mean, way back or anything like that? Yeah, that can be cached in places, but yeah. just in general, people can't can't go into Twitter and search from Chris Batamia and 
a bunch of racist Which words. Which is like, you know, the most amount of research like the far right trolls tend to do. Right. They okay. just search within Twitter. Um, I'm sure I have my tweets like screenshotted and articles and stuff like that. But Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. had uh, mine screenshotted once. Yeah. Um, it was not fun. Yeah. Yeah, Twitter sucks. Uh, guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all jump up and down. Why? Because it's your good news. All right. Good news. Oh, it's our favorite theme. Uh, my good news is something bad happening to one of my enemies. Hooray! Yay! Uh, so, the Paul Manafort trial is happening right now. And... Um, is he wearing the jacket to court? <laughs> I really hope he Can is. Can you imagine if he rolled in with his fucking ostrich jacket? <laughs> Oh, did, wait, 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 did you see... Python jacket. Uh, he also has an ostrich one. What? He has ostrich oh, and python. Uh, the onion had, hold on, I got to find it. It's so fucking funny. Um, he just had like Ray-Bans on and like his Python jacket. And she's like, what's up guys? <laughs> I'm here to throw everyone under the bus. Like a, like Python skin? Yeah. Oh, you didn't see it? No. It is hideous. This might just he- be a visual gag and maybe you need to see the photo. Defiant Manafort enters trial wearing coat made of live puffins. <laughs> <laughs> Not that photo is great. Oh, Yes. <laughs> but also, yes, I could see him doing this. An ostrich jacket and a python. What a fucking muppet. Yeah, he's a tool. This Ugh. is what it looks like. So. Oh, get out. Isn't it oh, ugly? what? It's shiny. Like That's the shiny. worst thing I've ever it seen. Looks like, it looks like faux leather. A python yeah. dad jacket. Which I like faux leather, but I paid $20 for it. I don't pay. He paid a lot of money for that fucking jacket. Like $9,000 yeah. for an ugly jacket. What a tool. A real ugly jacket. Yeah. Well, just think about how many how much he spent on rugs. So. Yeah, rugs, quote unquote. It's uh, <laughs> my favorite thing that we always allude to and never explain. <laughs> so, uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's star witness took the stand on Monday in the trial of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. And it's Rick Gates. I mean, we all knew it would be Rick Gates. Uh, Rick Gates was a super shady guy who served as Manafort's business partner for nearly a decade until 2016 when the two joined the Trump campaign for president. Um, so Gates pleaded guilty in February to charges of conspiracy against the United States and lying to federal authorities. He was the guy who... Uh, like we all found out when he pleaded guilty that he had had a meeting with the FBI like months before that. And everyone was like, he was wearing a fucking wire <laughs> like that whole time. Cause he was still meeting with Paul Manafort and who knows who else. Well, I'm sure we'll find that out during the trial, but like he w- absolutely was feeding them information as part of his plea deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you get a plea deal. <laughs> the FBI does you not do give you a you. plea deal cause they feel sorry for you. Yep. You give them information. So, um, having initially been charged alongside Manafort, Gates has since cooperated (laughs) with the special counsel as part of their investigation into Russian meddling during the 2016 campaign, telling the court on Monday that he's met with Mueller's team about 20 times. Um, He has not yet been sentenced. 
So as part of his plea agreement, Gates confessed to knowingly and intentionally conspiring with Manafort to commit a bevy of bank and securities fraud, as well as an act as an unregistered foreign agent in conjunction with Manafort's work in Ukraine. That's delicious. I, I, I just yum, love that part of the <laughs> testimony is just basically like, yes, we did crimes. Like that's yeah. fully. Also, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So he's pleaded guilty to conspiracy against the United States. That's his plea deal? That's treason. Yeah, that, that's... Like what were they going to get him on before he agreed to cooperate? Oh, I mean, Manafort is looking at like hundreds of years in jail. Ah. I, he's the one who is like going to fall on the sword the yeah. hardest. Oh, okay. I, yeah, like... Every time I hear special counsel though, I imagine walking into like an empty courtroom and like very high judges seats where everyone is just wearing a black hood and all you can see is their mouth and they're just being very, very ominous. Wow. I imagine that's what the special counsel is. Oh yeah, this is, it's like, I mean... it's like a Harry Potter scene. Yeah. I just watched it last night, yeah. so that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> oh, I, that's another thing. So you know how I want to set up the TV and set up like um, my Xbox to watch DVDs? Mm-hmm. So I want to watch all of Buffy, and I want to watch all of Harry Potter. Deal. Oh, I have, invite me around. Oh, don't uh, invite I me. I'll just show up. Yes, both of them. Yeah, yeah. Compl- I have both of the sets. Cool. So you're all set. So let's you don't even watch need Hulu. Because I feel like those were two huge cultural moments I completely missed. You want to oh, wait, wait. You mean watch them for the first time? I saw the first Harry Potter film. That's Holy it. Holy um, shit. vaguely seen a little bit of Buffy here and there? Like moments. Yeah. Yeah. She's never seen Buffy. I've never seen a full episode of Buffy. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've just gotten Will to watch two whole episodes so far. <laughs> and so I'm going through the same thing. It's now, very Do you want to read the books first or do you want to? I don't know if I have time. Okay. Yeah, that's the only thing. I mean, there's no deadline. You can just. Read them whenever. True. I have all of those downstairs too. Okay. Nah, let's watch the movies. All right. Yeah. Especially once you get to the tail end, because those books waffle. Oh, they yeah. Everything they after book bit. three is not oh, edited. That's good to know. Good. They're just like whatever you want to say. Just put put it in the whole book. <laughs> they just get thicker and you thicker. You made us thicker. so much money. Yep. You're great. E- exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, do you remember working the midnight releases of those? Oh yeah, and it was a- an extra weird experience because I was not reading them, and I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with these <laughs> nerds? What is this?" <laughs> Like, I understood when, like, Kanye came to our store. I was like, yes, it's Kanye West. I or get Madonna. it. Or Madonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, really big people. I was like, I know who you are, and I get this. I get this mania. But, like, Harry Potter, I was just like, what the fuck? It's just a book. The author's <laughs> not even here. I was saying that as I was being washed away in, like, a sea of nerds. It's just a book. <laughs> <laughs> they were crazy. They were insane. We had to set up, like, a like a whole chain to, like, get them oh, out yeah. fast. Imagine, imagine, like... Not only having to work your regular shift, but then have to stay at the store until midnight and then have a bunch of children awake at midnight who are ravenous. The most awake they've ever been. (laughs) Um, Ready to read the book and also like high on all sorts of sugar. Because they yeah. couldn't stay up that late. Oh no! Right. And they're all decked out in like robes and have pointy sticks they can and they, hit you with. They don't think you're a person. They think you're like you're the thing between them and the book. You are the book vending machine. Yeah. Hand me the book. Yeah, like oh god, it was awful. Ugh. Be nice to bookstore employees. Do bookstores still exist? No, I don't know. No, they don't. Okay, Barnes and Noble. That's it, but not for much longer. So, also in good news, a New Orleans judge has ruled that cash bail is unconstitutional. What? Oh, yes. Cool. This is a huge deal. Huge deal. A federal judge in New Orleans ruled that the city's cash bail system is unconstitutional, similar to a case argued unsuccessfully in Arkansas State Court last year. The court said the policy denies due process to poor people to hold them when they can't afford cash bail. 
Uh, and this follows a similar ruling by a federal appellate court in a Texas case. So that's great. Whenever something like this starts to build momentum, it's yeah. going to the Supreme Court. This is something I only really learned about. Uh, and I don't say because I'm a foreigner. It's because I was just ignorant to the process yeah. and didn't think about what it meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Nixon talking about it uh, for, for New York State has is what opened my eyes to it. That, yeah, this basically is a rich person, poor person. Yeah. And, and we're not supposed to have debtor's jails in the United States, Mm-mm. meaning if you owe money, you're not legally allowed to be put in jail for being poor. Mm-hmm. But effectively what the, the our bail system is, is a debtor's prison. If you don't have the money for bail, you sit in jail. Mm-hmm. You wait and you wait and you wait and you wait for, we can't tell you how long, because that's another thing. We're supposed to have um, speedy, speedy trials. trials. We are not supposed to be languishing in prison for weeks at a time because maybe you have a job, maybe you have kids, like you have to get home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a poor person, probably of color, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Sorry if you lose your job. Sorry if your your kids get taken by the state. Oh, well, you're poor. Which, I mean, literally sometimes this is for like, you didn't pay a speeding ticket. <gasps> mm-hmm. But also like judges setting bail or bonds at astronomical prices. Oh, right. thousands of dollars for, again, like maybe you got a $10 speeding ticket and you didn't pay it, like thousands of dollars worth of bail because a lot of these communities are very poor right. and the way they make money is off, is off of police ticketing people and off of cash bail. Mm-hmm. So now it's like a whole little cottage industry. Right. So it's basically, I forget who originally said this, but... Um, it's expensive to be poor. Yeah. Yes. Like, Extremely. because rich people, you pay the fucking bail and you get out of there. You pay mm-hmm. the ticket, you never have to go to court or whatever. But if you can't pay that original ticket, shit starts to get really expensive where it's like, okay, now we're putting you in jail. Okay, now your your bail is thousands of dollars. Oh, oh now you have to pay for a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's like extra expensive, which is fucked because this person has... No resources. Yeah. Hope your boss was understanding enough that he, they didn't fire you when you were gone for a day or more. Right. right. Exactly. Which, not happening. No. <laughs> They'll replace you in a second. Yeah. So, um, the court decisions are in courts with without jurisdiction in Arkansas. But we all... Um, oh, sorry. This is... Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Though this is background uh, from New Orleans on the practice. I'll link to this article at our Lipson page if you guys want to read it in full. Um, but yeah, it's it's really encouraging. Um, as the nation notes, 70% of people in jail have not been convicted of a crime. They just can't post bail. Which is ridiculous. And Ill- illegal. Uh, I mean, like, is, yeah. on paper, illegal. Like, yeah. I know we, we sort of dance around it, but if if we still think a speedy trial is important, if we think debtors' prisons should still be illegal, and that is still on the books, this is illegal. Mm-hmm. I think you would have an excellent argument if this went before the Supreme Court that mm-hmm. this is unconstitutional. I mean, how long was... Um I'm going to space on his name. The kid who was in Rikers for stealing a backpack, allegedly, oh, which he didn't uh, even do. Yeah, and then he fuck. He was in jail kid. for like two, three years or something. Yeah, and then he died by suicide when yeah. he got out. Yeah, but that's like he shouldn't have been in there that long. No, he shouldn't have been there at all. But that especially with like juvenile detention facilities, the charges got dropped. You're He's locking been there for up nothing. kids yeah. for minor infractions for a long time, and then their parents can't post bail. 
It's like, so what? You're just like ruining these kids' lives because like he supposedly stole a backpack that he didn't fucking steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, insane. So, guys, we have a little bit of time left. Is there anything that you would recommend people do or see or read or listen to or eat for, like, self-care stuff? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, th- I've uh, Another recommendation of a thing to watch that is purely self-care. I don't know if it's been talked about already, but there's a new show hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman <gasps> called Making It. I, I heard about that, it, but is, I haven't seen it. It is basically, to shorthand it for people, it is Great British Bake Off, mm. but for crafts. Okay. It's even in the sh- same shaped tent. It's the same setup. There are two challenges. Uh, Nick and Amy are the hosts. They have other people who are judges. One of the judges is Simon Doonan. I got the name right? Yes. Who is the basis for the British sitcom Beautiful People, okay. which you should also watch. Okay. Uh, he was a kid who grew up in um, Bumblefuck, England, who was going to one day be fabulous. And he did. He ended up moving to New York and became a famous designer of, let's say, Saks. Oh, wait. I did hear about that show. A a big window design guy in New York City. Uh, He he got out of Bumblefuck England and became a fabulous adult gay man. Wow. Um, There's a whole sitcom about his childhood. But he's one of the judges. And it's just lovely people making lovely things. And yeah, because Nick Offerman is like a great carpenter, an oh, absolute yeah. master yeah. craftsman. Yeah, he made a lot of the stuff that um, Ron like said that he made on the show yeah. on right. Parks and Rec. He right. actually made. He's a lot written. Of yeah. a, he's written a book, an instruction book on mm-hmm. on uh, making so stuff out fun. of wood. So the conceit of the two hosts, much like Sue and Mel from Bake Off, is um, is they're just about being lovely and nice. Nick knows everything about crafts. Amy knows nothing. Yeah. So they make jokes about that. They make shitty puns. There's a whole segment devoted <gasps> to puns. I'm obsessed with this. Oh, it is It is such nourishment for the soul. Can I just do a quick humble brag? So I'm on a Lloyd team at UCB, and we just had DCM, which is the Del Close Marathon. It's like a weekend of marathon improv shows. It's too much improv. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's been like drama at the theater and like a lot of grievances. So UCB did something very smart, which is uh, they called an, a mandatory all teams meeting to the theater. So we all show up at like 9 a.m. Right. At Ugh. Hell's Kitchen, 42nd Street. Ugh. Yeah, like, and we're not happy about it. <laughs> and there's no air conditioning in the theater, and we're like, what the fuck is this? And so um, the artistic director comes out, and then Amy Poehler comes out. Oh. She's like, hello. And they brought in Mama Bear to uh, talk to us about some of our little fifis. But it was very smart, because she is, um, in terms of, like, strategy, mm-hmm. she is a charming, empathetic... Um, person who's like very good at listening to people mm-hmm. and instantly we were at like a 10 and she took us down to a 2 like <laughs> instantly uh, well I mean that's the whole the whole thing about this show mm-hmm. I, when I say it's nourishing for the soul it's not like it accidentally is that was Amy Poehler's like she made the show for that very reason. Yeah. Because that's what she wanted to put something quote unquote nice on TV. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I truly do believe that like, that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. She just wants to make things that make people feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we're in like a terrible industry within a terrible society, sometimes that's like very hard to do <laughs> and people get upset rightfully so. But yeah, I, I do think like in her soul, she just wants to be nice and yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 
Charles, anything you would recommend? Anything I would recommend. I Well, I just did it for the first time last night, but I would recommend uh, watching... Getting high and watching the Harry Potter movies because that's <laughs> oh, exactly what I did last wait, night. Can I watch it that way. <laughs> I sure. want to watch it. Might that have way. no idea what's happening because after a while I was just like, "What? <laughs> oh, all right." <laughs> but I, I was just watching the fifth one. Like I was not watching them in order. I do remember liking like, the first fun. movie a lot. Yeah, but then also being like, "That was a good movie," and not having any desire to see another one after that. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the first one and just accept that that's how the whole series ends, that's yeah. that's enough. And that's I enough. did, and then I was like, "What?" And then like, there's more. There's more, and then like suddenly like they weren't little kids anymore, and I was like, "I don't know." Mm. And then I just did. You know what? I was really into Lord of the Rings. Right, which is why I'm surprised that you wouldn't like Harry Potter because it's still like very. It's not that I didn't like it. I, know, I liked it. I enjoyed like, it a lot, but I think I was just like, if I'm gonna be in a fantasy, I'm gonna be a thousand percent into Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. Ever tell you how I got tricked into seeing the first uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> no. and then had to complete the series because I was like, well, it ended with them walking over a hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went on a date in high school with uh, someone who was really into the books when uh. the first one came out. He goes, we're going to go see this movie. And I was like, I, re- I really don't want to, I really don't want to see this. And he goes, we can, it's like three hours long. We like, he wasn't, neither of us were really out yet. Yeah. He's like, we, go to, we get to go spend like three hours in the dark with right. no parents. And I was like, deal. <laughs> Uh, and then so was, you thought it was a sex date? Oh, well, I mean, there was like hand holding, which back then was like, hmm, oh, okay, uh, yeah. and some like light kissing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he would like push me off when something was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah, I got tricked into seeing the first one. And I was like, now I have to watch all of them because yeah. I need to know what happens mm-hmm. because I never read the book. That's how they get you. And yeah. then before you know it, you're watching The Hobbit, and you're like, what is my life? I never watched The Hobbit. Oh, I watched the first one and went, that's enough. Mm-hmm. But also, just I just need to but take that- a pause for a minute. Wait a minute, Charles, just for someone else's humble brag. Uh-huh. Had a date in high school. Mm-hmm. You had a date in high school? Oh, oh, yeah, that oh. is bananas. Who has, a, I who has a date in high I school? I think I had like, did I have one? I might have had one. Uh, we've... Talked about, yeah, no, like I've started starting in fourth grade. I've barely been single since fourth grade. Good Jesus God, Christ. Uh, but yeah, that was like my. Well, I wouldn't even call him a boyfriend because we only dated for like a couple months. But it's like the the third or fourth guy. I, I mean, I with. dated a guy in high school before for like three weeks and by dated I mean we both worked right. at the same McDonald's and he would drive me home. Yeah, so there's like two guys who I quote unquote dated like. Like, you date in junior high and high school, which is like, oh, he likes you. I like him. And then, like, you pass notes, and then it's like, I don't like him anymore, and you break up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's dating. That's dating. Yeah. My my uh, year nine girlfriend, we were uh, dating because I sat next to her in class. Yeah. Like, that was it. That that was like, I went on two dates, I guess. Right. And like, then she dumped me for being frigid. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Because you wouldn't put out, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. Wow. Well, judgmental. Mm. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Have you gone to lighttreason.news yet and hit that donate button? If not, do it right now. It's the only way the show keeps going. Please follow Charles and Chris on Twitter at Charles Rockhill, at Chrysopotamia. And listen to Dirty Little Horror, their podcast about horror movies. It's a good time. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 